Welcome to Musitations, Sound Healing and Sound Wisdom for a World in Need. On Musitations, we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the relationship between nature, culture, and the soul. I'm Michael Branty Maria, and I'm your host and guide on this journey on the edge of a new millennium. I bring my 30 plus years of experience as an integrative wellness guide, best selling author, meditation, yoga, mindfulness teacher, and a four time Grammy nominated musician. Join me now on this adventure of awakening the soul. Welcome to another episode of Musitations. I'm your host and guide, Michael Branty Maria. I'm thrilled to have one of my dear friends uh, for almost a decade now, Sherry Finzer, with us today. We both share the true belief that music can heal. And we both have a lot of similarities. We're both flute players, and we both really love a number of different genres, and in particular, the idea that music can support meditation, mindfulness. We're both part of Music Mindful Association. But I want to tell you a little bit about Sherry, and then we'll bring her right on for our podcast today. Sherry's musical journey has taken her from classical to jazz, pop, world, and flamenco, to today where she feels her music does the best work by helping to calm, soothe, and bring people to a state where they can begin to heal through her new age healing music. Fueled by stories shared by listeners and fans of how her music helps them deal with stress, depression, and physical ailments such as tinnitus, stroke, cancer, she records, performs, composes, and runs heart dance records. I immediately loved that term when I first heard it, Sherry, heart dance. That's how I feel your music makes me feel. A label consisting of artists with a focus on creating music to be used to help mentally and physically heal. Sherry specializes in the low flutes, alto, bass, contrabass, as well as native flutes. Again, something we share in common. We both really love these really low healing flutes. You can find Sherry's music all over the internet and streaming channels, including XM Spa's Channel 68 on XM Radio, Pandora, Spotify, Music Choice Soundscapes, Galaxy Spy Channel, Calm Radio, River of Calm, Journeyscapes, International Radio Program, many airlines, and her music is heard all over the world. She's one of the first musicians asked to live stream on the very popular meditation app Insight Timer and performs weekly on this platform. She has recorded over 27 New Age and Contemporary Instrumental CDs and has released many singles. And it's really my joy and honor to have a conversation with my friend Sherry Finzer today on Musitations. Welcome, Sherry. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. This is quite an honor to be chatting with you today. And thank you, Sherry. So yeah, I, I really wanted to first dive in to, you know, you're so accomplished. I, you know, when I take a look at what you've done and from playing in symphony orchestras to, you know, jazz and, and just across, I mean, I have such respect for you truly as a musician's musician. And I'm curious though, how now you've come to this similar place that I tried to create from healing music. And I would just love for you to share with us what that journey was like for you. 
Sure. Um, well, as mentioned, I'm classically trained. Um, only played classical music for decades. And uh, we actually, my husband and I made a big life change back in 2005. Uh, we were living in upstate New York in Rochester. And uh, he had a job offer to come and work out here in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, so we did it. We, we made the big move. We didn't know a soul out here. So for me, it was like starting over. Um, so I got associated with um, the flute society out here and started making some connections that way. And I actually did many auditions for local orchestras, but um, the way that kind of works is once you're in an orchestra, you stay until you leave or, or they throw you out, right? So it's like, once you have that seat, you're there forever until you, know, you decide to leave. So um, there just wasn't a space for me here. Uh, so then my thinking is like, now, now what do I do? Um, so I happened to be teaching at the time at a little uh, music school. And uh, in the next room over, I could hear this guitar player um, playing. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool music. It's a little bit jazzy. It's a little bit new age. Uh, so I approached him and, you know, asked if he would want to play together. And we did a recording together. And uh, the recording consisted of his music and some other composed pieces, nothing original. Uh, and then I just started meeting other musicians along the way. And it was a harpist that I played with. And she wanted to get out of doing weddings and we explored jazz and it's like okay we both need to learn how to do improvisation you know as a classical musician you're trained to read that music off the paper so i i didn't have any of that ear training or that improvisational skill uh, so we experimented together and um it was a good place to make mistakes, you know, and, you know, nobody's really listening to you and you're both kind of struggling along at the same time. But um, it was a really great learning experience. And about that same time, um, a flamenco guitarist asked me to play with his band. And he's like, well, you're going to have to improv. And it was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, looking back, if I hadn't done that and I hadn't pushed through those really challenging times i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today mm. because now most of what i do today is improvisational it's just you know i'm just channeling and it's just coming from my soul mm. um, so i also for many years was a group exercise instructor and i was working at the ymca out here in phoenix and i had done a fundraiser and uh, performed and somebody had bought my first CD that I recorded with, with the guitarist Rick Flouting I was talking about. And she came in and uh, she came into my class one day and she said, I just wanted to let you know that when I put your CD on, my hand stopped shaking. Now, I don't know what it was she had, if it was Parkinson's or something else, but she says, my hand stopped shaking. I can write, I can put my makeup on. Mm. Well, thank you for telling me that. You know, nobody had ever said anything like that to me before. And I thought, wow, this could be a really powerful thing. Like, I've never thought about my music in that way or my playing in that way. Uh, 
So I approached uh, an engineer who I had met who was a musician as well. And I knew he had a studio and I said, hey, I'd really like to try to create my own music and try to create a new age CD, but I really don't know how to do it. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, yeah, I can help you. Um, so I'd go into the studio and I'd have these ideas, but as a classically trained flutist, I was still wanting to play so many notes. And he would tell me, his name is John Herrera. He would tell me, all right, you just need to go home and think about it. And I would, I would be so frustrated. I'm like, no, I'm here now. I just want to record it. I want to get it done. Uh, he's like, no, go home and think about it. Mm. So I did. It, he gave me so much great advice. And um, my first New Age album, Sanctuary, was born from that. And that really was just kind of an experiment to see what I what I could do. Um, and then, I, you know, I would do these little gigs around Phoenix. In Scottsdale, they had art walks. So I would go down and play at the art walk and set up my little Bose system and, and play my back, you know, along to my backing tracks. And people would start buying my CDs. And, you know, I would start hearing from people about, um, I remember somebody had purchased my Sanctuary 2 album and they came up to me at the art walk one time and they said, uh, I bought I bought this album and I use it every night to go to sleep. Hmm. And still my mind wasn't in that uh, healing mode that my music was being used for healing. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want people to really listen to my music, not just go to sleep to it. <laughs> it really took me a while to shift. Sure from that thinking. Um, but now I hear from so many people now about how my music helps them in so many different ways. And it's just, um, it's been so moving and so meaningful when they reach out to me because, you know, they they have to spend some time digging on the internet to find me, right? And find ways to contact me. But it's like so important to them to let me know how much my music has helped. And I'm sure you get that all the time as well because your music is so beautiful and I love listening to it. Thank you. Wow, that's so beautiful, Sherry. Thank you for sharing that amazing journey. And and yeah, it is funny because I, you know, I'll tell people as you know, when they ask me about what kind of music, it's like, well, I'm one of the few musicians who is actually um complimented when somebody tells me oh your music puts me to sleep yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. because typically you know especially growing up and playing music or you know that would be like a, you know oh your music puts me to sleep and so i get that i really remember that you know transformation or transition but so beautiful and i because i think it is well i don't know i, I wonder how unusual that is i think it's fairly unusual for you know, being somebody who is classically trained so well that that making that transition to letting go, to getting to a place even to to talk about channeling your music, like being receptive and open and 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 a vehicle or conduit for something greater to play through you, and and you certainly, I mean, I have great respect for that. Part of that transition came from me working with David Darling for four years and his music for people process and becoming, you know, literally a music improvisational facilitator because it was that same like letting go and getting out of one's own way and and oftentimes, you know, 
you know, letting go of any judgment of it, you know, because if I used to, oh, it's just too simple, it's too this, too that, and, but actually it's just so powerful, you know, when we do, we're listening as, listening as we're playing, or I even like to say almost being played, like feeling like you're being played. So I, I really had been wanting to hear that journey and and I, I just loved hearing everything about it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and that was part of it in the studio. I'm like, you just want me to play three notes? <laughs> like, but, and in my mind, I'm thinking, what are all my food scrubs going to say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? right. right. Yeah. So oh, I, I had yeah. to get out of my way. Yeah. I even had, you know, I mean, my first album was like, you know, a few of my friends who were like, you know, Phil, one dear friend who's a film composer in, in LA and, you know, works with Disney. And I was like a little nervous because I, I had heard him, you know, make, you know, kind of um, disparaging remarks about new age music or this, that over the years. But I was like, and he goes, and he was like, no, no, there's, it's, it, you know, there's such heart that you're bringing to it. And I think that's, you know, I think that's the difference. I mean, there might be somebody who's just playing one note, but without listening and without, I think we've even had this conversation with, with some friends of ours about the intention, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things we look for in our genre of music is that you, there is a, I almost like to say a field of feeling and feeling that intention because yeah, you can hit three notes with no intention with no feeling mm-hmm. and it's going to land very differently than even one note played with a tremendous amount of heart and love and sincerity mm-hmm. um, you know i and i i just i really admire that that the sincerity and authenticity and honesty of your music really comes through which is beautiful and i feel it's it's it certainly comes from my heart but it's my it's my voice. Like I would rather pick up my food and, and play for somebody than, than talk to them. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Just feel like communicate better that way. Yeah. It's, it's, we're able to, I talk about this a lot actually. So thank you for sharing that. I used to always say, you know, I, as a kid, I was, we share where we both felt very introverted as kids. I was painfully shy. I, I didn't talk till I was almost three and I, I always felt things that felt too big for words. And although I although I played piano and percussion growing up, I didn't hear the native flute and didn't start playing the flute till uh, I was 31 on the my vision fast, my my lament in the wild I've shared with you. And it broke my heart open and when I began playing music with my breath it totally changed my life. And it's still, it's like the closest thing to flying for me. And also it's the closest thing to speaking those truths that go beyond words. Um, so it does make me, I'd also wanted to ask you, uh, why the flute? And you must've been you know, pretty young, but what, what drew you or called you to the flute in the very beginning? Well, we had that one day in school where if you wanted to play in band, you could go check out the instruments. And, um, I've always been uh, attracted to shiny things. <laughs> the bling, the bling, I love right. it. So I, I that the reasons I tell people are, you know, it was silver and shiny. It was a different color than the other instruments. Mm. And it was small, and I didn't have to worry about carrying it on the bus, you know, because it wasn't in a big case. 
That's awesome. It was, but it was like from the moment I started playing, I was just, I was just, you know, they teach in school, but I was learning on my own. I, you know, I'm going on to the next lesson and the next lesson. And, you know, after a couple of months, the band director's like, yeah, you should probably take some private lessons because I just loved it. And um, it wasn't until um, several years ago that I really realized that music was an escape for me mm. too because of some things going on, you know, at that time in my life, sure. I would just go in my room and play for hours. Mm. And I would have, you remember the uh, cassette tapes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'd have a duet book and I'd go through and I'd, you know, record the first part on the cassette tape, play it back, play the second part along. So, you know, I was doing that at a very young age and it was just, I loved it. Yeah, that's great. You know, for me, it was the drums. I you know, I, I played around with the piano. I was a terrible piano student because I, I never, I just, I was always making my own music from the very beginning. And my piano teachers would get so angry at me, you know, and you didn't study at all. You're, you know, you didn't go over what you were supposed to learn. But I, but look what I, look what I created. Listen to what I just created. As like, you know, I won't listen to that until you actually play your, you know, exercises. And I would just, you know, it was just terrible. But for me, it was the drums, and as much as I, I actually felt a calling to the flute. But you didn't play a flute as a boy. You got, you know, made fun. I got made fun of enough for playing piano, but I do remember my first watching my first live jazz in. I, my parents took me to a high school jazz band thing, and I was in third grade, third fourth grade, and it was like my my heart did this triple backflip. I just, I was mesmerized by the drum set and I was just obsessed with, with playing the drums. And the same thing, I mean, the first is like, you know, they were horrified. We were a quiet Catholic family, um, you know, and they made me sit and play on a practice pad for, you know, a year, I think, before they got me a, a drum and then a drum set. But I was taking private lessons and it was my escape too, Sherry. I was all through, I my little there was I was in the sixth dimension middle school jazz band and the drum the percussion was a real joy for me I and mean, it was one of the things I dreamed of doing um, and then I got into synthesizers in college but it was the and then there's a whole other story I talk about in other places and times when I told my parents I wanted to study music at 18 my dad you know said you're son of an immigrant you know your mother grew up in foster homes you're going to be a doctor you know, your kids can be artists and musicians. And I, and I always dabble out. I never gave up. And I was like, what kind of doctor can I be and still play music? And I heard about music therapy. So I really got into music therapy and sound healing. Um, but I, it was that flute that drew me, but I love that, that, that was an outlet for you too. Um, because it certainly was for me. And it, it brings me to this, uh, one of the things I really wanted to ask you about, because I, as soon as you talked about the tank, yeah. I got chill bumps and it's like, oh, I want to do an album with you. I would need to do duets in the tank together. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I would just love that. I would fly out there just for that um, because Please. that's the kind of space when you talk about it and I can, I just get chill bumps. So I would love for you to share with our listeners um, because it feels like, you know, what you were doing with a little cassette as a kid. Now, one of the things you've done is do this in a amazing, natural, ambient, resonant environment. So tell us about the tank. 
Uh, so the tank is, um, the website is tanksounds.org if anybody wants to check it out. Um, so it is a big empty water tank that is 60 feet tall. It was originally built for the Rio Grande railway system. It was never used, I don't know why, they never used it. Uh, they, there was never anything in the tank. They never put water or anything in the tank. Um, it was then purchased by the electric company in Rangeley, Colorado. Wow. Moved it, I don't know how they moved it, I didn't hear that story yet, but they moved it uh, to Rangeley, Colorado. And I don't know if you are familiar with Rangeley, but it's mm -hmm. kind of a remote area. It's about two, two hours north of Grand Junction. Um, you have to go up over Douglas Pass, the Brookcliff Mountains. And uh, so they put it on this hill and an engineer uh, did a study and they said, if you fill that tank, that hill is gonna collapse. Wow. So they, again, they never used it. So it sat there for years. And um, Bruce Odland was, um, a sound engineer for some musicians that were traveling. They're going through Rangeley. Some guys grabbed him, put him in a pickup truck and said, come with us. You need to hear this. And they wow. took him in the tank and he was just like, you know, wow, just is amazing. Um, so they had a big Kickstarter program several years ago, raising funds to turn the tank into a performance and a recording space, which it is now. Um, but it just like the reverb is amazing. And I've been a fan of Paul Horns in the Taj Mahal. Me too. And oh my gosh, it was so great to do that someday. So yeah. now the tank is my Taj Mahal because mm. that's probably the closest I'll get. But um, you never know. You never, you never know. know. And, you know, people say, well, what is it like to play in there? And, you know, my response one time was, I play the note. It gets swirled around and it gets carried up to the heavens and it goes out to the universe. And, mm. you know, my, I hope that it, you know, somehow uh, makes the world a better place somehow by me just, just creating those sounds in there. Yes. It's just, it's become really special to me. So I've, I've just done my third recording there. Wow. Um, so my first album was Transcendence and then Renewal released this past January and, uh, yeah, so I spent two days there this time. Usually I spend one day. So I, I came out with a lot of tracks. And and this this project, if, if you want me to talk about this particular please, project, please. it's called Connections. And I have a lot of people that were involved in this project because I started live streaming on Insight Timer last August. So they, they started um, this opportunity for musicians to live stream and, and people to do their guided meditations and yoga and all kinds of things on there. And um, I really have, I call it like a second family now. There, there's people that are there every time I live stream. Mm. Uh, and like I was mentioning before, um, so many people have reached out to me that were hearing me on Insight Timer to let me know how my music was helping. And um, one of the first people to do that, his name is Bobby, and he's involved in this project too. Um, he suffers from tinnitus. He was uh, in Vietnam. He told me that he spent 10 years never leaving his house, the last 10 years, because 
he was so depressed. Uh, the tinnitus was so bad. He started going for some therapy and getting some help at the, the VA. And uh, they told him to start meditating. So they found, he found the Insight Timer app. He found me, started listening to my music. And he wrote to tell me how my music had saved his life. Now he's, he's out, uh, you know, he's out walking. He, he's, he's living life again. But he has um, what's called a masking program or a masker program mm -hmm. on his phone, and it runs through his hearing aid. So basically, he listens to my music 24 hours a day. Like wow. he sleeps to it. It just it just helps to mask that tinnitus. And and for me, like I always thought flutes were more piercing and irritating. Sounding not the Native American flute, but you know the the modern flute, and I played yeah, concert that flute, level. sure. Yeah, and um, I've shared this experience too because my dad um, had severe hearing loss when I was a child, and he would never come to my concerts because it always bothered her, his hearing aids. Mm -hmm. It always bothered his hearing aids. He, he didn't like listening to the flute. So in my mind, I always thought the flute was more of an irritating instrument. Right. So for, for Bobby to explain how my music helps with his tinnitus, and, and there are many others now on Insight Timer um, that say it helps with that. And it just, that just blew my mind because I never, you know, I never related it that way. I knew it would help people go to sleep. I knew it would help relax them. Um, I knew people used it going through chemotherapy sessions and, um, so I've just learned so much over this past year. So I wanted this project to be about those people that had connected with me and shared their really personal experiences with me about how my music has helped over the years. So I went and I recorded tracks for um, 16, 16 people. Wow. That's so awesome, Sherry. Yeah. I, I really love that. What a great theme for the album what a great service for the album and it's just it's really moving and it really you know goes to the heart of this idea that music heals i mean that to me is over and over again i you know one of the stories i tell so often is it healed me from surgery trauma when i was seven you know i mean i had this real i was suffering from ptsd i had this near-death experience and i had I was really dissociated. I was really disconnected from my body. I was definitely depressed. And I just remember going to the piano and hitting, taking a deep breath. And I kind of waved my finger around. I'd hit one note at a time and I'd listen to it just dissipate off into silence. And it was that relationship between sound and silence that allowed kind of me to dissolve. And, and I think there's something about the music that we do try to play and channel and explore that's very it's meditative in this way it brings our attention into the here and now and and because it has this intention playing slowly playing authentically playing sincerely playing from the heart playing from the inside out that it's more than just the sound i really feel like we're sending that vibration of the heart that compassion because I remember literally doing that and crying, you know, and you know, it's funny because I've had people, oh, you were playing new age music before there was new age music. <laughs> you know, it's like, but you know, it was, I mean, I remember, you know, Paul Horn, the Taj Mahal was my, my, one of the first ambient 
albums I was just addicted to. It was just so that same kind of ethereal floating of, of the sound wave. And the other one of the messages I like to give on musicians, I say so often is, it's also my ardent belief that we are music, that we are not an object in space, but we are a a pattern that perpetuates itself, that we are a, a, a rhythm, a texture, a pulse, a, a, that we are... Our soul is a particular kind of soul signature, and I, I feel like that is really beautiful because these sound waves do continue, you know, and so that we are also. And this was a I think David Darling talked so much about. We are responsible for the vibrations we send each other, and we send out into the world. And and I just so I'm really moved. I I just know, and that's why again I think it's perfect heart dance is the name of your record company that, you know, because you do, you play from and for the heart in such a beautiful way. Yeah, it is funny when you think of, you know, how I was as a child and so introverted. And now I feel like I'm just an open book. And I'm like, um, I just play from the heart. It's just, and it's, it's been such a wonderful journey to get to this, this place. And it's been so rewarding um you know the feeling <laughs> oh yeah no it's it's such a gift it's to, to have an opportunity to to say these unsayable things and speak the unspeakable through our flutes through our music is i i feel every day i give gratitude for yeah, my, um, my my opportunity and my my yeah. I, and i know you feel the same way these are my babies back here these yeah. are my, they're just like yeah. there's few things i feel as connected to um so two other questions. So the other message of musitations is that music in particular, but creativity in general is a form of meditation, a, a form of mindfulness. And I would love to hear maybe even in, you know, how your own, I know no matter how bad the day's been, if I pick up one of my flutes within the first note and i think it's also fortunate as flute players that you know so many of my meditation practice came out of my my flute practice and i would say oh if i could just get somebody to play the flute it's like they don't need to play the flute i just needed to have them take three deep conscious breaths extend the out breath i mean it's so wonderful because we just you know have that that beautiful opportunity to do breath work yeah have fun so i'd love to hear any ways that you have found playing to be a mindful meditative focus in your life or how you might use that personally yeah like i meditate too but i actually feel um that when i play i'm almost into a deeper meditation than when i actually try to sit yeah. meditate because my mind is so busy um i i always say when i and live streaming, like music is therapy for me too. And yeah, I can have a really crappy day and then go live stream for an hour. And then I feel like, you know, <laughs> I, I've released and, and things are better with the world. And, and I've had times where I've broken down while I've live streamed because it was a release for me. Um, I think I shared with you recently, my husband's mother passed and, um, 
I had a live stream scheduled four days after she passed. And I thought it was just fine in the morning. And then, uh, you know, hit the live, started playing, and the tears just came. And it's really difficult <laughs> to play the flute, at least, you know, the, the modern flute, uh, when you're crying. So um, most of my listeners on there were aware of what had happened and and there's a chat circle on there so i let everybody know hey she passed this weekend but i'll still be here and um they they were so supportive and i was like all right do i just end this live stream or do i keep going and you know i played one song and then i'm grabbing the kleenex and i'm trying to talk and i'm like okay i'm just gonna play i'm not gonna talk and i just for 40 minutes the tears ran out of my outer and it was um it was very cathartic it was very healing um it, it was definitely a release for me you know holding on to um all of those emotions over the last four days and um so it's definitely a meditative process for me um a lot of times when i play i do have intentions like I'm, I'm thinking about a certain person that might be grieving or um, might need some extra healing you know and I I play sending that music out to them whether they're hearing it or not I hope that it's still received you know going through the universe and yeah absolutely way. no that's such, so beautiful and I have literally been known to in the middle of a concert, just eyes, just, you know, just tears pouring down my eyes. I think it's particularly with the flute, because especially for playing from the heart and playing more improvisationally, and it is so often that we're hitting emotional places. It It's just, it opens the heart, just opens the heart. What I love, there's the, the Minkwas tribe has a beautiful saying, the soul would have no rainbow if the eyes had no tears. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? And and I feel that way. It just, and as you know, I'm going through this process with my dad right now, and I'm very, very moving period of time. And I can come home, and and uh, yeah, the flute helps me grieve. I even part of my my lament in the wild, the you know the. We sometimes talk about it as a vision quest in our culture, but the native word actually means the lamentation or lament in the wild. And at the age of 31, I mean, I had I was going through tremendous compassion fatigue, having been 10 years as a child protection team psychologist. And I tell people part of starting to play the flute and my teacher who made me an old flute in the old ways, which was based upon my my body measurements said, you don't play for anybody for a year, play only at night and you know, listen for your soul song. And Sherry, literally every night I would go, I had 10 years of what I call secondary PTSD. I mean, it's kind of like secondary smoke. It was so, there was so much that I had seen and heard and dealt with and that the flute helped me grieve. Because we absorb that. Oh my God. I do. Yes. I certainly absorb other people's emotions. And... Totally. Well, I think part of being a creative is we're empaths. You know, we're very empathic. And it was, the flute has healed me so many times. And that's a really good point, that part of its meditation, part of it is also emotional catharsis. 
Um, but I do have to say when I guide my do, particularly my lying down yoga nidra meditations that I guide, many new people would come and at the end they'd come up to me and say, I must have done something wrong. My, the, I just, the tears are just running down my eyes the whole time. And I say, no, that's wonderful. That's why you stay so busy. That's why you've been a human doing and not a human being because to stop meant you needed to feel that. You keep yeah. coming in a few weeks, a few months, that will stop. And, and inevitably, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just a backlog of unfelt grief. And, you know, in our culture, we're so death phobic and what I call grief illiterate. You know, we don't, we don't honor tears. We don't honor the grieving process. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a, a beautiful gift we give people through our music is, is allowing that heart to come through because I, it's just, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really remember the other, you know, I remember listening to George Winston's autumn the first time and, you know, some of the Wyndham Hill other, you know, William Ackerman, you know, Will, who's a lot of that music early on, I just remember hearing and just allowed me to grieve and i remember just having the desire i i would love to be able to to play that way one day and and to share that kind of music and and i think the depth of the music oftentimes the two things that open the heart are great beauty great love and great suffering mm-hmm. and at the root of it i think is usually that great suffering so so i'm i'm thank you for sharing all that it it's really really meaningful yeah. And, and I have people, uh, there's one gentleman um, that reached out to me. His wife passed away in December and um, his name is Anthony. And he wrote me to tell me he was listening to my last Tank album renewal and how much that was helping him with his grieving. Mm. I just felt the need to connect with him. So we got on a Zoom call and, mm. and um uh, you know, he, he joins my live streams and I, you know, I, I just, I just try to help with my music. Well, I feel, you know, part of it is I start to feel that, um, I feel like it's my gift that I was given to give back. But then um, sometimes I feel like it becomes a responsibility. Mm. Like, like if I stop, I'm not going to be helping people anymore. Do you, do you ever feel like that? Like, well, that's a, that's a deeper dive conversation. I could, I can share where I am with that. Um, but I do know that what I want to say is that it's, um, I really want to honor that. And there is a way in which I see, I've always said, you know, my music is, is like a ministry for me. And I, I get, as you were talking, it's like, this is your ministry too. I mean, you're ministering to people, not just healing, but it's a ministry. Um, so the other piece of that, because I've burned out three times in my life, That's what so I'm afraid of. I burned out three times. Um, and you know, I retired fortunately my music has, is taken off to the point that I, and I probably could have years ago, but I literally was, it was so hard for me to let go of even, you know, retiring my psychology practice and psychology license. Cause it was such a, there was a great joy I received out of it. And yet I found that there were times when, and I'll just bust myself here, I could be codependent, like I could feel too responsible. And it was harder and harder for me to say no to people. And so, 
And I even, you know, as I'm going through this process with my dad and going through this, you know, I turned 59 this year and I'll be 60 next year. And, um, and, and, you know, it's so, I'm taking this time to really go within and I feel this big creative wave coming that I'm, you know, I've always felt like, you know, try not to push the river, but don't resist the river, you know, so I stay creative, but don't burn out again. Like just kind of how can I take that, you ride this river of creativity and, and sharing these gifts, because I do believe our gifts, the reason we call them gifts is that we're, we're here to give them away, give them to our people. Mm-hmm. And I also know though, that I, because it was also my role in the family to be the peacemaker and make people happy and be the, the stellar golden child. And so I'm kind of really been in a place of kind of stepping back and saying, and asking spirit, asking creator, you know, what are the next steps in my work and how can I reach the widest group of people, but also not burn myself out again. So, so I'm asking that question because I, I know I definitely COVID like not only did I give up my practice, but it was great. I mean, it's been a wonderful thing, but it was painful and difficult, but also I had done community meditation, sound healing and yoga classes for the last 12 years. And I had to stop. I couldn't continue. And I really missed that. I got so many, you know, I miss, and, and I'm still getting a lot of like questions, you know, when are you going to start again? But I'm like, well, I'm doing this with my dad and, and I'm having to ask that question. And I guess part of our listeners out there, I would say, you know, asking oneself, asking ourselves, what is enough? And that, that I think of it as this um, emotional flow, almost like an infinity sign that whatever's going out, there needs to be enough coming back in. There needs to be that kind of back and forth because we can burn out and the needs are so great out there. And, and I think that that's a really great point. Um, and I don't know, I, I've also stopped giving any advice. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. DeMaria is retired. I don't know anything. Um, I don't know what's best. I have no advice, but I can share with you part of my journey or what I found to be helpful. And it's been very freeing. And what I can say is that I have come to a place where I know the best place for me to serve others is to start by filling my cup, filling my well, and being honest to myself when my well or my cup is depleted, that I need to go back to the river and get some water and replenish myself. And then I'll share only to the degree, because I didn't know where that line was for many years, you know, and and I was used to running on empty. And so, so I'm really examining that. And I think as creatives, that's another really important question to ask ourselves when enough is enough because the need is so great out there. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out for myself right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's an ongoing question. And I think, you know, one of my teachers and friends, Mark Nepo, the poet, he loves to say, um, we must begin to fall in love with moment to moment course correction because it is like going down this river. And, you know, what may have been enough yesterday is too much today. You know, and, and to give ourselves permission. And that's what I love about improvisation is to me, um, as in music, so as in life, that really the greatest improvisation, the greatest art is the art of life. 
And you know, the, the, the other thing I talk a lot about in Musitations is this, the first line in this poem that came to me on my, my vision quest, on my vision fast, each moment is a note in the song of today. Each moment is a note in the song of today. So how can I be in this note? And it may be a note of grief. It may be a note of laughter. It may be in a note of joy, but how can I be with this moment and fully be in it, fully play it, fully, just like when we're, you know, the joy of just playing that note and giving it all you have. And that we're asked to do that, we can do that in each moment of our day. And and I do try to punctuate my day with, you know, starting with the meditation, ending with meditation. And when I can include music, all the bat, all the better. Um, so that's really wonderful. I, I love that sharing, Sherry. Yeah. So I would also love to kind of finish it. We could probably just talk for hours. We could. Um, and, and I have so many other things I'd like to ask you, but I'd love to ask you, what's your creative edge right now? Like where, where is your edge? What's, what's kind of calling you, but maybe a little scary or where, if you're, if you have one, maybe you don't have one you're aware of right now. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I feel like we were just talking about, I, I, I'm being pulled in so many directions right now that I'm trying to take some time and rein it in and refocus and think about which directions I still want to go in. Because for me, there's never just one. There's always multiple things going on. But um, as far as like playing and recording, I really feel that my music is most helpful right now, just doing this, the solo flute work that I'm doing. Um, so I, I think that that is my focus and, and my passion right now mm. to keep creating, you know, the solo flute that I, I know is helping so many people. Um, gosh, I, I you know... <laughs> We could go on about all of the stuff that uh, I shouldn't be doing, but like I, I'm, I'm playing at nursing homes in the area, and because I wanted to give back, but I'm, I'm feeling like it's, it's not the right time, right now. Yeah, and that's a, that's a hard population, you know. I know that the, you know, I've done that, and I've done, I, I played for hospice for many years, which was really some of the most powerful, moving work. But I also and have, have done that and also in certain hospitals and and it's incredibly joyful and incredibly demanding and can be incredibly exhausting yeah um, and and i do think that's you know you know trying to and speaking to all the creatives out there all the artists that that it's it's a challenging it, it's an exciting time and a challenging time because there's never been an opportunity for us to find an audience more you know it's just so many opportunities to connect with people around the world how exciting that is and yet at the same time it can be too much and knowing what to apply ourselves to and what and i do think there's something about i've come to really feel like the soul comes from the word the Latin word anima, which means to animate, that we're feeding our soul when, 
whatever we're doing brings us alive, you know, the aliveness. And to really ask that question, and I'm saying this because I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself this question too. You know, what brings me most alive right now? And what is draining my aliveness? And that gives, gives me a beginning to be able to determine what to say no to and what to say yes to. And if we have some really big yeses we want to say to, sometimes we have to really say some difficult no's. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's a real, that's, that's very much my edge. Um, and I will have to say one of my edges is using my voice more. I feel like the flute has helped me find my voice. You know, I had, I had a choir director. I was just so, and I've shared this story before, but I was so, I just worshiped him fifth grade. And, and, you know, in addition to playing the drums, I was, I loved singing in choir and, but my voice was cracking. And Mr. Hungerford said, you know, somebody's voice is cracking. And he made each one of us sing. And I, my voice cracked. He just pointed at me hundred in front of a hundred other kids. Dean Maria, don't sing another note all semester. Just stick to the drums and, and lip sync. And I was, and all the kids are giggling and laughing. And it was really, I didn't sing again, Sherry, till 20 years later in that Native American sweat lodge. And yeah, it was very painful, but the flutes really brought me back to my voice. And I, that's where my creative edge is. I'm playing with that because I, I love it. And I've, I've kind of, you know, I sing in my, you know, this own private language. I feel, you know, Lisa Gerard is one of my heroes and she sings in this, you know, idioglossia, they call it in it, which is kind of a private language. It comes out spontaneously and, and it's such a joyful place for me. And yet it's such an edge <laughs> because I, I feel like it's even a little further out in the world of, um, yeah. you know, what's he doing? What's Di Maria doing now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have been trying to add some, uh, you probably see in the background, like I've got a little drum and yes. some crystal balls I'm, I'm you know, experimenting with and I've got some chimes. And, um, so I am starting to branch out a little bit and Beautiful. You know, experiment more with sound healing and learn more about, you know, all the aspects of that and the frequencies and how they help. Beautiful. Well, I just, you know, putting it out there now in public, but I would love to do something with you. It would be so much fun to do something. Sure. We sure. should. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> any, any final um, things you would like to share with the audience and then definitely want to hear different ways people can connect with you. Oh, um, just thank you for, for listening to this podcast and thank you for the opportunity. Um, Certainly people can connect with me. They can go to my website, sherryfinzer.com. Uh, you can find me on most of the socials, Facebook and Instagram. I am not on Twitter very often. Um, Insight Timer, I've got quite a following there. So anybody that would like to tune into the live streams is welcome to do that. It's free um, and, and people are allowed to donate if they want, but it is a, a free app that people can use. Um, I think, uh, if I had to say anything, be true to yourself, be true to your soul. Um, <laughs> I spent many years trying to please other people and, uh, have really found that, um, just being me, being myself, um, I'm so much happier <laughs> and it's opened so many, so many other doors in my life. 
So thank you. Oh, thank you, Sherry. It's just been such a joy to get a chance to hang out together and share and such an honor to have you on the show. I've wanted to for a long time and have really loved watching your career take off in this new area, you know, because I think when we first met years ago at ZMR, you know, New Orleans, it, which I'm thinking has to be at least eight, nine years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I think it was, I think the first year I went was, I want to say 2014, but that could be wrong. But. Yeah, I guess I think my last year, so much happened. My my mother got sick in 2012, and I know I was there in 2012, maybe 2013, but I don't think I've been back since 2013, <clears throat> just because life, you know, I had my like this really rich period of recording and, and producing and putting out from, I was like 2009 to 2013 was just a very rich, you know, like more than one or two albums a year. And, and then mom, mom got sick, then dad got sick. And then also a book of poetry and another book. And I was, and now it's come full circle and I'm just getting ready to dive back in. But during that time, I've just watched you just blossom and it's been so exciting. It's been such an incredible journey because like that first time I went to ZMR, I didn't really know anybody. And now here I am, how many years later, uh, with a record label, we've got almost 70 artists that I've worked with in some capacity and then doing the radio promotions for so many people. And, um, it's been a wild ride in that aspect, but I've loved it. And then, you know, we could have a whole podcast on the challenges of a woman starting in this business, trying to do what I'm doing. Yes. No, that would be, well, we, we may have to do another follow-up. And, and again, I want to say, yeah, no, you, you really have become kind of a heart of, of our genre in lots of ways. I mean, it's like, I've just, it's amazing what you have accomplished in literally from what I'm seeing seven, eight years was just amazing kind of. Um, so it's been, it's really fun to have a chance to connect and kind of compare notes and, and yeah. see where the future takes us. So Again, thank you for being on and you're welcome back anytime. And I so look forward to getting a chance to make some music together some at some point. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Especially if it's in the tank. So we will talk more. Let's do it in the tank. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And thank you everyone for tuning in once again to Musitations. We'll see you next time. Thank you. God bless you. Embrace your heart and follow your soul. You've been listening to Musitations, sound healing and sound wisdom for a world in need, where we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the soul. I've been your guide and host, Michael Brandt Maria. Feel free to check out my music on Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, XM Cirrus Radio, or Soundscapes Cable. You can also check out my website at michaeldemaria.com or online programs at alldaypeace.com, alldaypeace.com. Listen to your heart, follow your soul, and we'll see you on the next episode of Musitations.